It's episode 278 of Crack the Customer Code, and it's time to ask yourself one question. Do you feel lucky? Jeannie, why do you consistently try to influence her? Because I think I'm good at it. (laughs) (laughs) You believe you are influential. (laughs) Exactly. I just believe I'm influential over one person, and that's you. (laughs) And so... It works for me. Sad, sadly, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I do what I'm told. Is that in, is that influence or is that something else? <laughs> I think so. I that's let's call it influence. Okay, we're gonna go with that <laughs> because today we have one of the absolute fantastic, wonderful premier experts on communication <laughs> and influence. Was that enough build up? Did I do it? Well? I think so. I okay. think so. Yeah, she clearly influenced you. Yeah, you see, her her powers are vast. And that is Stacey Hunky. That's right. And she is just a true expert in communication and really how to make sure your message is heard in the right way. And now she's really looking at influence and what does it take to have influence as a leader in today's world. So it's a fascinating discussion that we have with her about how things have changed, how all the devices we carry around have impacted the way that we have face-to-face communication and how leaders need to communicate in both old school and new school ways. Yep. And if you're if you're leading a team, whether you're in the C-suite, management, supervisory position, this is a great episode for you because uh, Stacey really talks about some of the delusions uh, Jeannie and I were joking about at the beginning here, you know, how we uh, sometimes think we communicate better than we do. Mm-hmm. It's true. We're all guilty of it. But there's there are ways you just have to be open and accepting feedback, which is so easy to do, right? <laughs> exactly. So Jeannie, I'd like to influence you to tell us a little more about Stacy, so we can get to this interview. I'd be more than happy to. Stacy Hunky is author of the book, Influence Redefined, Be the Leader You Were Meant to Be, Monday to Monday. She's also co-author of the book, Yes, You Can, Everything You Need from A to Z to Influence Others to Take Action. She has trained and presented to thousands to rid business leaders of bad body language habits and to choose words wisely in the financial industry, to the healthcare industry, to government, and everyone in between. The Stacey Honky Inc. Inc., sorry, (laughs) client list is vast from Coca-Cola, FedEx, Kohl's, United States Army, Navy, and Air Force, Nationwide, Pfizer, GE, and General Mills. Her team works with directors up to the C-suite, and she has inspired thousands as a featured guest on media outlets, including the New York Times, Forbes, Entrepreneur, Smart Money Magazine, and even the Lifetime Network. She is a certified speaking professional, a valuable accreditation earned by less than 10% of speakers worldwide. Stacy, what a treat to have you here. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Jeannie, for the opportunity. The treat is mine. Uh, well, we are so happy to have you. And Stacey, you are everywhere. So I want to uh, <laughs> tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you come to be an expert on communication? And what changes are you passionate about making for organizations with what you do? Yeah, the journey has been an interesting one, Adam. I joke because I started in radio. I wanted to be the next Katie Couric, but apparently that did not work out. And <laughs> I started to really launch this passion for communication. Did a couple of stops in large corporations, 
always focusing on what are the biggest gaps between a manager's development versus a leader's? What's that gap between that big step? And I always came down to the research that stated the ability to communicate a message. Because it's one thing to say we communicate a message. You've got to be able to be heard, understood. Several stops along the way, 15 years ago, Stacy Hunke Inc. was was started. And I think, Adam, this leads to your second question. It really started because I was working for a company as a consultant, did a lot of international travel, and we worked on presentation skills. I'd be flying back home on that plane thinking, ethically, this isn't right. I spent two days teaching someone how to present, but they're not going to be presenting in front of a group for months later or weeks later. And that's, Adam, where the switch went on. And I thought, Influence is so much more than you turn it on and you turn it off. And a lot of people believe that, especially for a big presentation format. It's to me, it's more about making sure that how you show up, how people experience you and what you leave behind, that is influence. And those individuals are going to be remembered. Those who are remembered above today's noise of the a lot of the technical gadgets, they're the ones that are going to have influence. And Adam, that's really where the passion started. I realized most leaders believe they're more influential than they really are. I'm out on a mission to bring awareness to everyone, to give them ways that they can be constantly looking through the eyes and ears of their listeners and then determine, have I created a reputation that I'm proud of Monday to Monday? I love that. And I love that you mentioned specifically that, you know, we have to be heard and remembered over the pull of all this noise in our life right now. I mean, the world has changed so much. So what are some of the ways that you think influence has changed in especially these recent years where the pace of change is just incredible? Mm -hmm. And is there anything kind of old school (laughs) when it comes to influence that still works? Yeah, there's definitely the old school tackling Jeannie, your first question. I think you hit it on the head. What influence, why it's so difficult? What has changed? It's because 24 seven every day we have noise. Mm -hmm. We have constant messages coming at us, whether it's via social media, email, face-to-face meetings, whatever it may be, that we have to work even harder to make sure that what we say, our message and how we come across, how people experience us through our delivery is going to stand out from the noise. That That's just basic one-on-one that no one thinks about anymore. And I think that just raises a big challenge because when I talk about influence, I mean it's Monday to Monday. Where's the old school going to your second question? It It's old school, yet we don't use it. It's things like, skills like connecting with people, making that person feel they are more important than you sending out that email message in that moment. It's saying less to make sure that what you say has so much impact because it's not lost with the multitude of messages and the multitude of words you don't need. It's it's walking into a room, Jeannie, or entering a phone call like you own it. It's thinking back to, if I would ask your listeners on this podcast, think through how do you really want to perceive, be perceived? What adjectives come to mind? Jeannie, you'll hear a lot of people say, I want to come across as trustworthy, confident, credible, authentic. And what makes that happen is what we have lost the focus on, how we deliver our body language and the words that we choose. 
Most of us believe influence means I turn it on or I practice the night before, before the big presentation, and suddenly we lose all authenticity and we lose the consistency of how we show up every day. It's so interesting right now as a parent, um, I have a 13-year-old, and one of the things I've observed is how I have to actively kind of teach him things like eye contact in a conversation. I have to actively talk about, you know, what what are people thinking about? Because in their little groups of friends, they're all looking down at their phones. They're all, you know, that's just the culture that we live in now. And we um, sit down, you know, and have a family dinner anytime we possibly can. And there are no devices at the table. And I've noticed some of his friends come over and they bring the devices to the table. And it's like a shock when we say, that's not going to happen here. <laughs> but one of the, it's, and I, I'm not sure exactly what my question is, but I'm curious on your take on this, because one of the things that I've been trying to kind of impart on him is that, you know, if you don't understand how to look somebody in the eye, how to carry on that conversation, then you're, you're never going to be able to be a leader. You're never going to be able to have a team that listens to you and, and have that kind of influence. So in today's world with like this shift in culture, what would you recommend to like teachers and parents right now about this type of influence? And what can we say about the things that really matter in, in these moments when it's so easy to just pull out your phone and look down? I mean, he watches YouTube all the time on his phone. And so I'm like, it's, it's like having a TV in your pocket, you know, <laughs> like it's so different. Um, so are you seeing that? Are you seeing that people are trying to teach these skills in very direct ways, more so in the past? Well, you're a role model just by what you're doing, right? I mean, that's, that's step number one. And it's funny because I'll have parents ask me these questions. Yet when I start going deeper into what's happening at home, it's this typical, well, they're always on their gadget. Well, mm -hmm. then that's the culture you're creating for them. Mm -hmm. And let's just face it, face-to-face -face communication is never going to go away. The art of face-to-face -face is starting to get lost because exactly, Jeannie, what you're saying. And it's, it's putting rules around when is the technical gadget appropriate? I, I hear parents say to me, my child never picks up the phone when I call. They always text. Well, mm -hmm. Is, is that okay with you? And if yes, great, keep doing it. If not, make the change. I don't know if we're so scared to just step up to plate and say, hey, you, you've got to be alert and connect and engage. I have a, a funny story about a year ago, about a year ago, being based here in Chicago, I speak at the University of Chicago, maybe once or twice a year. And it was a group of freshmen. And they, I walk in the room and everyone in a big auditorium, they're sitting there with their heads down in their technical gadgets. It's the mm -hmm. oddest concept because no one's talking and they're sitting right next to each other, Jeannie. And at the end of my presentation, freshman boy, he comes up to me and he's serious. He's totally serious. He's sharing with me some of the takeaways from my talk. He starts walking to the door. Halfway to get to the door, he turns around mid-step and says, you know, someday... I want to learn how to communicate face-to-face. -face. And I'm standing there and I'm thinking, okay, this is really odd right now. I mean, there's got to be something more here. My response was, well, how about today? He responds, mm -hmm. no, I'm not ready yet. And he heads out the door. 
<laughs> oh my gosh. And there was that moment where I thought, I've got job security. I've got a whole yeah. other <laughs> But I've been doing so, so many interviews, media interviews and podcasts around millennials. That's been a big question. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, this might also tie to your question. I've been telling everyone that it's not about pointing the fingers always on the next generation. Because right. Jeannie, you and I, what we're, we're XY, I think we're in the, mm-hmm. we're in the same generation. And when we were coming up through the corporate world, everyone was pointing fingers to us. How right. do you communicate with Gen XY? How do you do it? <laughs> and it's a matter of you're determining whether you're a parent, whether you've got new hires, millennials, for example, coming to your corporate workforce, you get the opportunity to determine how are you going to communicate? What is the requirement based on the objective that needs to be set? based on the action step that you want to achieve, here's how we need to communicate. And I'm not saying technical gadgets aren't appropriate. I think it's Mm -hmm. amazing how many ways we can communicate. It's just, are we creating a generation that we're doing them more harm than good because Mm -hmm. we're pulling more opportunities away from them to really polish the skills of common sense, connecting, engaging, and building relationships with people. Yeah, it's a very interesting time right now. And I'm not sure we even know what the impact is yet um, of all this access. And it's going to be, it it will be interesting. And I, I even find myself, you know, sometimes having to say like, Okay, I know the phone's buzzing in my pocket, but I'm talking to somebody and I can't get pulled away. Like you have to, it's so seductive, you know, to, to go to that other angle. So I think what you're doing is is critically important, not just for the leaders who you're working with, but also for these, I mean, your, your story is exactly <laughs> like that sums it all up, right? Oh, not today. I'm not going to learn face-to-face <laughs> communication today. Like that's yeah. so absurd sounding, but that's the world we're in now. So. But I, I think that's why I think it's important though. I think what Stacy and everybody is working on interpersonal communication. Uh, I think it is. It, it, I, I always think, Stacey, tell me what you think of this. I always think the you know every generation is okay the last generation this the next generation is softer and weaker and we have to talk to them i do feel like this one is a sea change because of the nature of the technology and the evidence and research we have on what it's doing to people's brains attention spans yes. and particularly i think when we ask is it positive or negative uh their ability to feel empathy mm-hmm. uh so how do, how do you feel you know as far as when you look at these uh, as a future workforce, let's forget future citizens. We'll still keep it on business. But when you look at them as a future workforce, do you think this um, these inabilities to have face to face conversation, all of that, are going to change the sort of the cultures of business? Or are they going to impact cultures? I mean, I feel like we're seeing that already. But what's your take? I think it's going to have an impact. And call me crazy, I just don't think we can avoid face to face. I think this generation, and I'm, I'm stereotyping because when when I've worked with millennials, I've worked with millennials, and I'll tell you, they're amazing. They are. They're the ones I've worked with are driven. They want to learn. They want feedback. They mm-hmm. are, empathy is a big part of it. And then you've got the other right, the other side that I'd rather just let me do my thing and have my earbuds in and just have my own world. I just I think there's just going to be a roadblock for those individuals if they are not able to start hanging up the text messaging or hang up the email and literally have conversations and being able to identify which is the best medium 
to influence this particular person based on their style and what I'm asking them to do, what's the best medium? And sometimes the technical gadget is not going to be the best medium. Uh, perfect. Well, especially when we're all inundated too. Like how <laughs> can it. you break through that noise? Right now, now we're back to the, no, to the noise part, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. And Adam, I think the other piece that is absolutely critical is whether you are sending a text or you're sending an email, whatever the messaging is, you you have to work that much harder now to stand out from that. So it, it, it goes full circle to where we started this conversation. And to oh, me, even an email, it requires you to give thought. You, you can't just send that email off and expect people to act on it. Well, that's a great question I have for you. We're, we're totally going off the off the side here. But so let me ask you this, because I feel like and part of this is uh, generational, but I think mo more of it comes from my customer service uh, outlook and how I view communication. Uh, do you still take way too much time to write emails? Because <laughs> I do. And, yeah. you know, to, to write, to say the thanks and to say the, to change the words so they're the right words and to mm -hmm. use, okay, I'm, I already said thanks, I'm going to make it appreciate and all these things. Uh, as a exactly. communicator, do you, do you struggle with the time you invest in communicating well via email? I wouldn't say I struggle with the time, but I definitely put effort into it. I'm not one, especially a lot of it's because of what I do. <laughs> right. <laughs> very particular what I send out there. I'm very conscious and focused on what I send. And when in doubt, I still, I still share my emails with my team, people on my team that are much better at emails than I am. I'll shoot the email to them first. I, I do that a lot. So I don't look at it as more time. I look at it as Adam, as I put focus into it because I look at that email has my name attached to it, which is then my reputation. And I can destroy it. We can destroy it pretty quickly when we get lazy with the messaging that we're sending via technology. Mm -hmm. Well, just to embrace my inner millennial, I'll say 100. <laughs> <laughs> Keeping it 100. Yep. Uh, there you go. I just did a conference and it was leaders. I, I thought they were joking with me first. The buyer had prepped me saying, can you spend about 20 minutes of your hour presentation only focusing on email? I totally thought he was messing with me to see what I would say because I'm, it was all leaders of a very large, a very large firm. And sure enough, he goes, well, I'll prove it to you. He goes, I'll send you, I'm going to, I will send you copies of emails. You would, you would totally think it was a joke. He sent me these messages from these leaders that he had accumulated. And it was crazy how they would put a message together. Things like in the subject line, and there'd be nothing written in the body of the message, it would say, call me now. That was it. <laughs> I'm like, really? Oh, wow. Or there'd be different fonts, or there'd be all caps. Again, this is common sense, but it's not common practice. And it's be those individuals who understand that concept that's going to push them in front of the crowd. It's going well, to be think, the individuals that go back to the basic gene. Mm -hmm. And I think the um, that's a great example where sometimes I think leaders don't understand that having a title is not influence. Yes. Um, and so what are, 
What are the ways that you can kind of address the the quote unquote lies business people <laughs> believe about their influence? Like, how do you say to somebody just because you were promoted doesn't mean that you can send an email like that? You still that's not how you gain influence. What do you say around that? I think it's well, it takes one step back because I'm going to look at the relationship I have with that person. And if it was mm-hmm. if it an individual, I feel like, you know, they would rather know than not know. They want to know how what they're doing in that email is really jeopardizing their reputation. And sometimes if that answer is yes, they're open to it, I always approach them. Are you open for feedback? Now, if the relationship isn't there, and I've done this with my team or even with clients, that I'm not sure how they're going to take that, I'll say to them, I am really trying to brush up on how my message comes across, whether it's an email, whether it's a text I'm not sure how it's coming across. Would you give me feedback? Now, that's just opening up the door, Jeannie, because there's a good chance they're going to say yes. And when they say yes, that to me is an opportunity for me to come back and say, would you also like feedback to make sure that your reputation is a positive one? Hmm. And I call that prepared feedback. You got to plan for it. It's tough. You really can't just say to someone, your emails are really bad. You need to be that stuff up, but opening up that door of that conversation. Mm-hmm. And, and I have a saying that we only work with enlightened leaders, because if somebody's not ready to hear hard truth, it's really hard for them to change their customer experience, <laughs> because exactly. they're going to hang on to it. So what um, do you ever just find yourself saying there's this person is not going to be able to hear this? Yes and have to walk away. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And that, you know, as, as we grow in the company, we're fortunate that we're able to just be very selective of who we work with. And the selective mm-hmm. is not out of arrogance. The selectiveness is, I know that my work, my team's work will not provide value if the client, the individual pushes back. They're not open to the feedback. They're not do- open to doing the work. It, we would waste their time. And I, I don't want to mm-hmm. do disrespect anyone's time. And there's been those conversations, Jeannie, where I've said to someone, you know, we thought they were a good mentee, for example, and we're sitting there one-on-one. And I've said to them, I can tell this, this isn't the right time. This isn't the right fit for you. And that's okay. I'm not here to waste your time Mm -hmm. because like anything in life and even the work that you do, you know, that people have to be open to the feedback. And if they're Mm -hmm. not, no matter what you say, it's just going to fall on dead ears. And and what about ourselves? What if we feel like we want to be open to the feedback, but it's hard. It's hard to take that feedback. So what do you recommend to all of us about accepting feedback? <laughs> the more you do it, the easier it gets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know, and, I, and I'm right there too, because I've got have several coaches in my life that I joke, I tell them I love them and I hate them all at the same time. <laughs> but I truly have found that the more I do it, I don't think the feedback for me has ever gotten easy, but I've gotten to the point where I realize I cannot grow, I cannot live, I cannot service people around me in the best that I can be without that feedback. Mm-hmm. It's coming mm-hmm. to that realization of you've got two choices. You've got the choice to be influential or you've got the choice not to be. And if mm-hmm. you choose that first choice, Feedback is part of that process. All right. And, I, uh, and I'd say on the accepting side, I mean, it's important to have humility, right? 
Yes. Because you've got to have a certain degree of self-confidence to do what we do, to get up on a stage and say, here, everybody listen to my opinion for an hour <laughs> or right. a half a day. Right? I mean, you do, right? So, so there, true. So there's, yeah, so you've got to have some humility. And I think um, you, if, if you can, when you find, when you're on the delivering end, when you can find those people that have that humility, that have that desire for growth, the, the, you can really make a difference in a change in their lives. And I know you're doing that obviously with what you're doing and what it's funny we're talking about lies that business people tell us and you tell themselves and what we believe about our influence and you know i think one of those lies is how you can have a strong business but you can have weak communication within it that's actually sort of eroding it from the inside and i know that's something you talk about so talk about how that you you could have a strong business but have weak communication that's really sort of holding it back or hurting it that's coming at them from the top. I can quickly, by walking into a client site, if I'm not working that day with their top leaders, meaning their CEO or their executive team, I can quickly get a feel for what's happening at the top. And it's how the individuals that I'm working with interact with each other, how they interact with me, uh, their use of technical gadgets. If they, they just feel like they have to be in that gadget, that's telling me that's very much of a culture that that leadership built. You can have the most powerful product and service but as we grow in this world of noise, the other part that's becoming difficult is competition. Everyone can find the same service that you deliver. So now you're taking it to a new level. What are you going to do internally where those messages are so clear and concise that the reflection of what's happening internally is also the conversations that are happening with your clients? Think about as a, a customer. I mean, this is right up your, your alley, Jeannie. As a customer, you tend to go back to the companies that understand brand loyalty because you know when you enter that place of business or that service, there is constant brand loyalty. And I think what some companies are lacking, they might have brand loyalty in their products and services. What they don't have is brand loyalty as an individual. That them themselves, how they show up internally, or the different ways that they're act, interacting with their customers, it's not consistent Monday to Monday. And that to me, Adam's a, a, even a bigger problem with this idea of strong, strong business, but internally you start seeing the gaps and the gaps are communication. Hmm. Well, that is a, a lot to think about. <laughs> and I love it because it it's really about the perspective of both sides of the equation, which I think sometimes it's too easy to just, you know, put our heads down, live our lives and not think about that. And that's such a big part of any experience or customer journey or anything. So this topic around influence and communication, it's just fascinating as always. And, you know, if people do want to learn more about you, if they want to see if uh, they're ready for feedback, <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> then, you know, how can they reach out to you? How can they learn more? Thank you. We are very easy to find. The website is Stacy with an E Y H A N K E I N C dot com. Perfect. And we will make sure that's in the show notes as well so that everybody can access that and find you. But as Adam said, you're kind of everywhere, so it shouldn't be hard. <laughs> so. Thank, you. Thank you, Adam. Thank you. This was this was just as great as I thought it would be. So thank you for joining us and, and keep up the great work that you're doing. Thank you. I wish you guys all the best. Uh, you too. Thanks so much, Stacey. Fantastic stuff. 
I feel positively influenced. How about you? 100. I said it twice. You see that? <laughs> You're so hip. <laughs> I, I'm really trying, Janie. I am trying to be down. Uh, I, you know what my favorite part of the interview was? I don't. When she, when she <laughs> no. said she loved our show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Remember how I mentioned humility earlier? <laughs> It comes from a lack of self-centricity. Huh. <laughs> I love that. that. I did love that as well. That was that was great, especially coming from uh, somebody that I respect as much as Stacy. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, it, it's good for me, people like me in the younger generation, to be able to <laughs> hear these lessons. <laughs> well, I think it's. I mean, we are in kind of a brave new world, and how we communicate is definitely part of the evolution that's happening, whether we're aware of it or not. So having somebody like Stacy who can really look at what it, what are the core principles behind how to get your message heard in the right way and how to become a better communicator so that you can influence the way you want, that's it's really important in today's world. So I, I think everybody who listened probably got so many little tidbits to do and to take back and just to even be aware like, oh, let's be more aware of how we send emails and take a minute and take a beat, review it before you send it out. That alone could help communication. Absolutely. And remembering that communication and influence is uh, to sort of jump back over to our customer experience language is omni-channel. I yeah. mean, you have to think about how you communicate and how uh, you present yourself and how you are influencing people differently on in, in different mediums. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, Jeannie, I'm going to go look at my phone now. Why don't you take us out? (laughs) Well, thank you so much for listening to Crack the Customer Code while I'm sure you were multitasking with your device. (laughs) We are a proud member of the C-Suite Radio family. Check out C-Suite TV for in-depth interviews and business content. It's all on demand at csuitetv.com. We truly do appreciate you spending your valuable time with us. I'm Jeannie Walters, and you can learn more about me and our customer experience investigation consulting at 360connects.com. And I'm Adam Tapork, and you can learn more about me and our customer service workshops and training at customersatstick.com. Until next time, take care of yourself. And take care of your customers. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.